You're listening to OnRamp, and I'm your host, Carrie Fisher. And I'm your host, Shane Blackshear. Two Christians talking about race. Because everyone needs a jumping on point. This is OnRamp. This is OnRamp. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're talking about microaggressions. Carrie, tell us a little bit about microaggressions. Okay, microaggressions are the types of things that are sometimes confusing for both the giver and receiver of a microaggression because it's something that's not a big, bold thing that everybody would consider racist necessarily, but it's something that happens often subtly between two people that communicates that someone is lesser than or not as important. There's kind of three categories of microaggressions that I know of. One is a micro assault. And so an example of that would be like someone who has a Confederate flag up in their office and what that might mean for someone, for a person of color. And then there's micro insults, which just have to do with making someone feel less than like if they get a job and you sort of imply that maybe you got it because of their color or you say it was because of affirmative action or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Instead of their merits. That's right. And then micro invalidations, which a good example of that would be that you don't really, it's similar to an insult, but you don't really belong here. Like asking someone who is a person of color where they're from or what they are instead of recognizing that they're, likely from the same place as you and the same right. type of human as you. Yeah. So you ask where they're from and they say Austin, you say, but where are you really, really from? from? Yeah, exactly. That's so you just kind of you're implying that like you well, you don't belong here. You're not the same. Yeah. You're not a real American or something like that to that That's effect. Exactly. I think that the interesting thing about this is that a lot of times a microaggression is something that's really easy to discount and say, e- even among people of color, we disagree about the things that are bothersome, right? Because everybody is different. And so some people would say that it's a microaggression to reach up and grab someone's hair who is a person of color. There might be some people who don't mind that and who find it flattering. And so I think it can be confusing to a white person about what what sorts of things are considered objectifying or belittling whenever I've got this one friend who laughs when I do that and um, someone else gets really mad and upset about it. So I think one of the important things when we talk about microaggressions is being aware of the examples that are sometimes considered to be microaggressions and then either having the presence of mind to avoid those things or ask about those things. If you're in a good enough relationship with someone to see if that's something that's really bothersome to them or not. I'm trying to think of some other examples of them. Can you think of any other examples? Well, I think stereotyping plays into that too, because like expressing a stereotype was even when you don't realize it, I think can be a microaggression too. If you're, you assume that, um, you know, a person of color is like an athlete or something like that. You're playing into a stereotype, but also that's a, 
that's our microaggression. I, I have a friend of mine who went to a uh, uh, small Christian school and uh, everybody there, like the second question they would ask is, are you on the football team or the, or the basketball team or something like that? That's right. And so, so, you know, what was being communicated was, you know, one, you're not here for your academic abilities or because you, you wanted to come to this Christian school because of your Christian convictions you're right. It does have to do with stereotyping a lot because um, I, I always considered it a microaggression when someone would. Here's a, a tip about microaggressions. I think they often someone thinks that they're being complimentary when they do them. That's, you know, yeah. like the touching of the hair or the congratulating someone on a job or saying how articulate someone is. That's <laughs> right. a good one. Right. That. Uh, there's sort of a hidden message there that it's yeah. very surprising that you as a person of color are able to use words so good, yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. And so, um, but I remember in college and well, throughout my whole life, actually, uh, people will try to set me up on dates with someone and uh, I'll sort of be curious about why they're setting me up with this person who... Uh, has a very different educational background than I do, who I remember my last job, someone said, I, I just really think you would be really good with this person. I work with him uh, at this department store, which was a really different realm of work than I was in. And she was like, he lives with his parents and he doesn't have transportation and he's like 20 years older than you. And I, and I was thinking like, well, what do we have in common? And then she showed me a picture and you'd be shocked to find that he was a person of color. And I'm like, oh, so when you see me, the thing that you think I contribute truly is the color of my skin because there's nothing else on any demographic level that I share with that person, yeah. you know, she, she didn't even say like, he's a great Christian person, somebody who loves God. It was just like, you two have the same shade of skin. <laughs> and nothing else. That's really. it. That's enough. That's all you need. But that right? should be enough. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully listeners like pick up the idea in a microaggression is it's not, it's usually not blatant and it's usually not egregious is that a or intentional really yeah even a lot of times intentional you know the first time i heard about microaggressions like the example was used of the where are you from question and for a while that was really hard for me because like you and i went to college together like the first question you ask someone in college everybody where are you from right it's so it's so natural i think where in a lot of the examples we use there is one, there are stereotypes, there is a very, a very subtle and even in a way innocent casual racism about it, right? That's right. But like with the where are you from question, you know, I was just thinking like, that's just what I, that's what I ask everybody, you know, regardless of, of the race or ethnicity. But honestly, I think that that's on me as a white person to know that people of color face microaggressions all the time. Right. And there's, I think there's a couple things to pay attention to there. One is I think we should be really self honest about, is that really true? Do I really ask everyone equally? Where are they Mm. from? And that might be true for us. I mean, with that question in particular, when I take a scan of myself, it does feel like, yeah, I'm always asking people that. Right. Um, But I think it's important to really notice 
even if it has to be afterwards sometimes like oh what did I really mean there I think I really did have a secret guess that that person was from a different country because Mm -hmm. they look differently than the people I usually hang out with and so I think we should be self-honest in that way and then I think part of the the grace required for caring about microaggressions and doing something about it is just what you said that if you come at it from a sort of place of privilege of how self-centered are you if you think someone is always implying something if they ask where are you from or giving you the compliment of you're so articulate it's like get over yourself it's easy to think of it in that way if you don't think about that a person of color is dealing with this every day a million times a day that's right and having to ask themselves the question what did that person really mean am i safe what do I need to communicate? How do I need to overcompensate or prove based on what this person? And so, yeah, if one person every month was saying, what are you? Then maybe it would be cute and fun. And in fact, for someone like me, I tend to think that's a cute and fun question. But for many people I know of who are sort of ambiguous in the racial category, a constant question of what are you is dehumanizing because, uh, it, it sounds really trite to say like I'm a human, but there's something to that, which is when, when it's, you're com- always being called into question of what category can I put you in? Or mm. how do I see you as different from others who are in your presumed category? Then there's, I call it a weight of wonder that you're always oppressed by and sort of pushed down by, which is what did that person really mean? And how should I respond on an emotional, intellectual, verbal level, level based on that? And so if it weren't a million times a day all the time, then maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. And so that's the sort of trust that you have to have in the person of color's experience and the grace to say, how hard is it for me to sort of try to get a clue about the triggers and the types of questions that are disproportionately asked to people of color or the types of statements or slights that are, Mm -hmm. or perceived slights that could be given. Yeah. So, you know, for me as a white man, like, I think that's why it's so important for me to educate myself on these things and to know, and Hey, it's not the end of the world. If I can't ask somebody where they're from, if I just choose to abstain from asking that question, because even if I am being pure hearted about that, there's a history there. There's something they have to deal with that I don't. Yeah. And it's a beautiful way of joining with, I think. And because it's a little awkward and uncomfortable to have to stop and make yourself think about is what I'm saying about to be offensive or could it be perceived as offensive? And that's a really beautiful way to join with the experience of a person of color. Mm -hmm. If what I just said is true, that like there's so much overthinking that has to happen as we sort of interpret data. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, it's really important to take that step and be able to say, yeah, it's a little different than what I would have to do in another circumstance. But guess what? That's how some of my brothers and sisters are having to live their life every day is having to Mm -hmm question and edit and figure out instead of just sort of saying what comes naturally. So, you know, I think there might be people who hear us have this conversation and they would say, look, we're in the big world of racism. Like this seems kind of like a trite thing, you know, like there's actual violence that goes on. Right. And there's actual, there's overt racism. Right. Um, But to me, what I hear people color saying is that the microaggression is really just, 
like death by a thousand cuts. That's right. I think, I think that's in a really important way to look at it because I mean, and we would never want to undersell or forget these really overt things. And in fact, I think it's so important that I don't walk through the world thinking that no progress has been made and that I'm living the same experience as my black grandmothers or grandfathers, you know, there's been so much progress and that's really important to acknowledge. But I think you said it well that um, it's hard to express how frequently microaggressions occur in the life of a person of color. And, and that's what it is. It's like sort of a constant cut or poke or pain that is just more chronic than it is intense maybe in mm. one sitting. It seems kind of like if you if you have like a splinter in your sock or something, you take a step and you can endure that step and kind of keep going. But the thing is, is like when you put that foot down again, you it comes again. Again and again. Know, and again and again and again. Yes. And so, you know, I think it'd be really easy for us to say, come on, like I let stuff roll off my back all the time that people say to me. But that the nature of microaggression is that it is people of color have to deal with Persistent. it. Persistently. Okay. Anything else you want to say about that? Um, I think we've pretty much covered it. I would just say, maybe we've already said this, but the first step is just trying to be aware and like asking questions maybe that for people with whom you actually have an intimate relationship and not all of us do have a lot of intimate relationships with people across color lines. But if we do, I think when you're in doubt, you can say, you can revisit things and say, I-, I was thinking about our conversation earlier and I wonder how it made you feel when I said this or asked this. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a way of learning from someone in your life and maybe hearing a story that you've never even thought about before. I think people are surprised across color lines, the, the sort of internal dialogue that's been happening over 20 years of friendship that maybe both people thought they both understood, but they haven't. Mm-hmm. And so I think giving it a try, noticing your language and asking questions when you have intimate relationships are a way to just start considering and doing some work around microaggressions. That's it for this week's episode of OnRamp. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review OnRamp on iTunes to help keep the show front and center. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.